This episode of Radio Drama Revival is brought to you by Audio Fiction 101. The people who brought you Wolf 359, Zero Hours, and Time Bombs are teaming up once more to bring you Audio Fiction 101, a new course that teaches you the ins and outs of writing an audio drama and then walks you through rigorous exercises to solve narrative challenges in audio. World building, writing for the ear, plot structure, this course is over three hours of video content with Zach Valenti, Sarah Shackett, and Gabrielle Urbina, teaching you everything they've learned over the past few years of producing, studying, living, breathing, and eating audio fiction. The course has visuals, it has animations, and it comes with companion worksheets. Head to learn.fearofpublicshame.com to see the course offering, sample a few videos, and read the FAQ. Need-based scholarships are available to qualifying applicants. Just send an email with the phrase Audio Fiction Scholarship in the subject line to Sarah, Zach, and Gabrielle at fearofpublicshame at gmail.com. When you're ready to check out, click the gray text that says Have a Coupon and enter the code RADIODRAMA, all one word, for 15% off your order. That's learn.fearofpublicshame.com, coupon code RADIODRAMA. We are working on a jingle for this, I promise. If you're listening to this, it means you survived 2019 and you deserve a freaking medal. I didn't mint any medals, but we do have some pretty sweet shirts. Anyway, we're easing into 2020 with an audacious, inventive actual play that features some of the best DM voice acting and player chemistry I've heard in a hot minute. From Atypical Artists, it's ARCS, and it's coming up right here on Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. What's up, party people? I have been listening to funk music nonstop for the last several hours, and I will not apologize for how powerful it has made me. I hope that you enjoyed or withstood the holidays with a minimum of fuss, and that now that your schedule is no longer as disrupted as it had been, you are able to determine what day it is with reasonable accuracy. Happy 2020. For you, today, ARCS, a show featuring some voices that are likely familiar to you and some that are shortly to become familiar. Lauren Shippen, Brigham Snow, Jordan Adika, and Nathan Stans. Snow and Shippen you likely know from their many roles in independent audio fiction, including The Bright Sessions, The AM Archive, and The Big Loop, but Adika and Stans may be new to you. This is a D&D-based role-playing actual play, and while there are, in fairness, quite a lot of those, this one is very good, and here is why I like it. It has stellar original music, great chemistry between the players and their characters, excellent sound and scenario design by DM Jordan, and like Join the Party, a show with whom it shares a deep but jokey rivalry, it is formally complex. Jordan introduces a lot of fascinating homebrew elements that gives me the feeling of peeking over the shoulder of my cool friend, whose notebooks are filled with these intricate drawings. Jordan's skills in improv also keep him in control of the scenario without seeming to yank the players along. I would have thought that maybe this was like a trick of editing, but as I learned during our interview, it isn't. Jordan is just that quick on his feet. Another benefit of the show is that you get to hear Jordan Adika's stable of British Isles accents, of which his store is seemingly limitless. Go on, mate, challenge yourself. Let's hear a Manx accent soon. Let me get out of the way of this juggernaut, which is currently on hiatus, but scheduled to return sometime in 2020. Here we are with episode one, a wizard, a bard, and a giant. Welcome, dear listener. To Arx. 
Welcome to a journey like no other. An adventure to astound and confound. To chill and to thrill where anything is possible. Join our three players and their extremely handsome dungeon master as they trek across a realm of danger, mystery, and intrigue. Will they succeed in their epic quest? Will they uncover the dark truth beneath? Will they survive this harrowing adventure? And do these three players really have nothing better to do on a Saturday night than this? The answer is no. First of all, I'd love to point out that the guy who has not played this at all is starting this right off. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry. super cool. <laughs> not to add any pressure, but if this doesn't go well, we're probably just going to nix the rest of the show. Cool, fun, fun. Okay, uh, so what was the question again? Was it? The question is, you are currently hanging out in your home. A, what does your cottage look like? And B, what are you doing? You're just chilling? You're playing your loot? Uh, it's uh, small, dark. There are... Uh, Pokeroon trees that sort of cut through the uh, the home. Uh, so there's like foliage inside. There's a little fireplace that's that's crackling. And uh, I am just yeah sitting, lounging, plucking the loot. Sounds lovely. Yeah, it's really calming. It's nice. Yeah. And that isn't a euphemism. Yeah, yeah, that isn't yeah. a euphemism. Or anything, <laughs> yeah. Correct. Well, I mean, sometimes I do, but <laughs> not this time. I'm a growing boy. We're not, st- growing boys we're not must starting be. the story off. My parents are jerking off. Beads of sweat on your I forehead. Mean, like, a knock at the door, eyes wide. <laughs> uh, so you hear a knock at the door. How do you want to respond? Are you going to... Seeing how it's uh, pretty rare for people to come round, I'm, instead of getting up to the door, I'm probably going to... Uh, call out to whoever's behind the door. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Hi, <laughs> who's there? Well, uh, were you going to say something? Um, no, I, I was kind of hoping you would take the lead on this one. Hey, hey is this Barry's house? Yes, this is. Well, we're here to talk to you. All right, you, you're going to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 can we, can we come in? Oh, good one. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> um, my, my name is Larkin, um, and I, I, I'm just looking for some information about, about the champion, and, and some people in town said that you knew some stuff. We were just hoping for some, some info about that. All right. <laughs> so I get up, <laughs> I go, I go to the door, and I open it up. The chunky walnut door creaks open, bathing your sleepy homestead in an intoxicating torrent of ocean air. 
As your eyes gradually adjust to the glaring midday sun, your gaze quickly locks to the peculiar pair stood pensively on your patio. Closest to the door is a short human dressed entirely in simple commoner's garb, save for the pair of oversized welder's goggles strapped to her forehead. Realizing that their right hand is still held in prime door-knocking position, they smile sheepishly and transition to an enthusiastic wave. A few feet behind her stands a towering figure, with short black hair, a furrowed brow, and a five o'clock shadow. He too appears human, though much taller and broader than any you've met before. Lauren and Nathan, aka Larkin and Jackson, what do you do? Uh, yeah, I, I duck my head because I'm obviously much taller than the doorframe and, and sidle inside. Yeah, I, I immediately go in and start looking around um, at his house and kind of poking in the cabinets and seeing what you have. Just oh, you're a health inspector. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking around. You've got you've got a nice house. I, li- I like it. It's I like the trees. It's cute. I'm getting a strong mob vibe. (laughs) You want to you want to keep everything safe, don't you? (laughs) Don't mind me. Oh, this is Jackson, by the way. He's uh, he's my just my guy that's helping me out. Hello. Uh, Would you like to sit down? Yeah, thanks. All right. And I sit down. Now, Larkin, as it stands, you have with you a time stone, a recorded message from the professor that should explain the situation pretty well. It's up to you whether you want to give it to them now, or you can try and discern what's going on, who this is, whether or not it's the time. Totally up to you. I'm going to... I want a little bit more information first about Barry, I think. I don't think I necessarily want... I want to make sure this is the right guy. You yeah, know? a lot of Barrys in Henkelholm. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I... I, I okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to Barry. I'm going to say... So, we were asking around in Hinkleholm about the champion, and some people said that, that you knew some stuff, that you were the, the balladeer, and you would sing songs about her, um, and so I, I just wanted to make sure that, that you're that guy. You're the, the bard, right? Yes. She was, uh, she was my mom. She was your mother? She was my mom. Yeah, not 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 his mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, it was his mom. Mom. Oh my god, I like that is so cool. I am such a huge fan of your mom. She <laughs> was just the the best. I mean, like that is so amazing. I mean, I didn't I didn't know her. Really? No, she she died when I was born. Oh. Larkin feels very awkward right now. She doesn't she doesn't know how to respond to that. So she instead just goes straight to playing the message from her professor. <laughs> so now this like, guy's the real deal. Like a 25, 30 second silence. <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> a, there's like, a long silence. Yikes. Just looks at her bootlaces. Literally, I want to just ever so quickly recap the exchange. You knocked on the door. Then he audibly heard you negotiate how you wanted to do this, muffled through the door, just like, do you want to just, uh, maybe we could just go in, do you think it's fine? Well, I guess we'll find out. And then you entered, immediately brought up his dead mother. <laughs> listen, listen, Larkin is on a mission. She doesn't have time for niceties. Very, She's figuring it out. That's very fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have. She has low constitution. Sometimes it's hard for her <laughs> to do stuff like this. She's 16. She doesn't really have tact. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, Jackson doing at this time? He's just wandering around. He's literally just standing by the door. 
Oh, okay. Uh, he's only, I mean, he's here for a very specific reason. Uh, he doesn't really understand the social niceties of this. He's definitely not bringing up dead parents. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that, that she was his mom. <laughs> uh, that doesn't bother him. And either way, it's not like he's uh, trying to be cool or aloof. He, he doesn't, it doesn't bother him. He, yeah, he isn't so much socially tactful as just he isn't interested. <laughs> 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 um, all righty, so you play the timestone. Mm-hmm. Okay, you hand the tombstone to Barry, and it begins to shake. Uh, Barry, you know through just like cultural osmosis that a tombstone typically you have to shake it a little, or you have to press it, or you have to cast a spell or something to get it going. But there will be a message inside if you can activate it. Fantastic. <laughs> so, <laughs> what would you like to try? So I'm gonna. I'm actually. Uh, I'm not gonna shake it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take it and uh, press it up to uh, my heart, my chest. Hmm. Whoa. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) What is a magical error message? (laughs) 404. (laughs) Um, You know, honestly, I would say even a small amount of motion is going to activate it. A little extra heat from your heart. And the message begins to play. Hello? Is this on? Francesca, can you tell if this is rec- recording? Yeah, yeah, I hit the I hit, well, yeah, I hit the red button. There's another red button. Show me, show me the other red button. I only see one. There's only one red. What are you? T- there's only one red button. Okay, well, what if I push the well button? Now it's on AV two. <laughs> what is that even? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm hitting it, and it. Well, now the brightness is just going. I don't need to cut it off. Cut it off. Um, okay, if I hit the input button, maybe. Well, now I'm just watching Fantasy Frasier. Why'd you bring this to me? <laughs> <laughs> it's just you, he he does this a lot. Just just keep listening. Oh, okay, all right. I think it's I think it's working again. Uh, greetings, Master Ambrose. It is a pleasure to meet you. How do you do on this fine day? I'm doing fine. I'm being informed that you cannot actually reply to anything I'm saying, as you might be seeing this for several weeks. How embarrassing for me. Anyhow, uh, my name is Professor Grimblemanch Findlecronk, the 19th Esquire PhD MDTBH. You may be familiar with my academic study series, Do Bullywogs Enjoy Dance Music? Its sequel, Why Don't These Bullywogs Enjoy My Dance Music? Or the dramatic conclusion to the trilogy, Oh God, Oh God, The Bullywogs Hated the Music and They Swallowed My Intern Whole. That third one was almost nominated for an Elven Teen Choice Award, so no big deal or anything. For Best Kiss, I think it was. (laughs) In in a book. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of hard to... Anyway, impressive nonetheless. (laughs) Anyhow, all the dilly-dallying aside, I welcome you today, Sir Barry of Ambrose, for I summon you for the adventure of a lifetime. I'm going to give you a little time to gasp and shed however many tears of joy you need to and stuff, so... You know, go ahead. What is going on? Just, just listen. All right. <laughs> okay. I assume you're done. If not, please stop crying. Um, that's right. I know who you are, Barry, or perhaps more importantly, who your mother was. I fought alongside her during the tiding. A spectacular warrior, an unmatched strategist, and a thoroughly charming individual all around. Uh, she also had a kick-ass battle mullet at the time, which I believe is what made that whole craze popular back in the day. Damn, she was so cool. Now, Barry, by all accounts, you are 
particularly cool. I mean, no offense, but I was shown your visage by our in-house oracle, and I have to say that you look like a grade A dork through and through. And that's coming from a professor, so you know it's scientifically accurate. What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. But you can turn all that around, my good man, by joining my protege here on a pilgrimage to retrieve. And please do a drum roll. Are you do I assume I assume you're doing a drum roll. The champion's gauntlet. That's right. The very weapon she used to unite the realm, long ago locked away inside a magically sealed case, itself buried deep within the heart of Ogma's hold. And that's where you come in, Barry. You see, our scribes theorize that if you were to travel to Ogma's hold and place your hand, your dorky little green palm, onto the box's engraving, the magic seal would be broken, revealing the juicy gauntlet within. Then it's simply a case of bringing it back to us at the Academy, at which time you'll receive bountiful payment and or a high-term paper grade. Larkin. What do you say, Barry? Are you up to the task? Are you ready to emblazon your eternal mark upon history? Do what countless scholars and adventurers theorize to be impossible? Will you join us, Barry? Now, Larkin, you have two additional time stones. One if Barry says no, and one if he says yes. Hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, you've mixed them up. Um, I think I lean back and start plucking on my loot. <laughs> For real. On it's a loot. stress thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't start jerking off. I start plucking. The instrument's in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I lean back and uh, probably say, uh, I don't think this guy thinks much of me. Don't don't take that stuff personally. The professor's just like that, but we, we really we really want your help. What makes you think that I'd be able to do it? Because you're you're the only one who can. I mean, I didn't understand why until I heard the, the tombstone, but but you're her only living relative. But I hardly knew her. It doesn't matter. Bloodlines and all that stuff's important. All right. Yeah? I mean, I... I yeah. Larkin gets very excited and pulls out the other tombstone for if he says yes and hands it to him. <laughs> nice. All righty. Uh, you tapping that bad boy on your chest? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest it on uh, on my lap this time. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Yeah. Much warmer. Yeah. On your loot. <laughs> that right, right on, on my loot. <laughs> <laughs> the tombstone shakes and begins to play. Spectacular, my dear boy. I didn't doubt you for a second, my good man. Larkin shall guide you on your adventure from here on out, but let me say from the bottom of my heart that I always believed in you ever since the Oracle told me about your birth. You shall see great things, young man. Let no one dissuade you from your destiny. A few seconds later, he you hear like fumbling as though he's running back to whatever device he's recording this on <laughs> and says, Oh, uh, and don't listen to the no stone. There's no reason to now. I mean, actually, maybe just throw it away. Maybe just throw it away and never listen to it ever. Maybe just destroy it. Maybe throw it in the ocean because there's no, you don't need to listen to it because you said yes. Uh, um, anyway, uh, good luck. Don't listen to it. No need to. Goodbye. And the stone stops playing. So I take it and I think I just put it in my pocket. I think I think Larkin tries to yank it back a couple times. <laughs> Are we gonna fight? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> can I can I like ask like how they like how'd you find me? The professor told us and then we just kinda asked around Hangle Home. <laughs> yeah, phone book. <laughs> <laughs> nice and concise. <laughs> Uh, Brigham, you helped me come up with the entire d idea for Hangle Home, what it looks like, how it operates, the kind of environment you're in. I have my description, but I actually love to hear it from you. Like, how would you describe Hangle Home specifically, your hometown? 
Um, so Henkelholm is a fisherman's village, and the idea idea of it is it is in the uh, region of Kalswaith, and it is essentially a village made up of dockways where a lot of the commerce happens on the surface of the ocean, but in the center, sort of uh, as all of the buildings sort of fan out from it, there are three pillar-like island mountains um, that have wooden bridges that spiral up each of these pillars with um, all of the homes cliff on the cliff face of, uh, of these pillars. And the names of them are Shad to the east, Fall is at the center, and Moor to the west. And all these pokeroon trees um, jut out from uh, the cliff faces and they're bioluminescent. So they act as Ooh. sort of lighthouses at night to uh, travelers and, and merchants. It's such That's a cool idea. So are, we, are we on an island or is this like a jetting out from the land? We, so this I is, know this is Jackson because we, we got there. But, <laughs> you're, uh, you're in a... You're in a house that is on the cliff face of Moor, which is the west sort of uh, column Islands. mountain island. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then from uh, the bottom of the village, there's a long bridge that connects the mainland to uh, the village of Hazelfort. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Yeah, to the northwest sits the town of Hazelfort, which is accessible via that rope bridge. Um, it's the only civilized area for miles. Like a, it, It's a significantly larger town than uh, Henkelholm just by virtue of being a more traditional environment. It attracts more people. You don't need to uh, worry about motion sickness <laughs> and or vertigo. It's just a regular old town with cobbled streets. Um, but that, in, it, that itself is then surrounded on all sides by Elmswood Forest, which basically serves as a blockade between Calsworth and the rest of the world. You would have to travel through Elmswood in order to get here. Very dangerous to do if you aren't on a caravan or, or aided by some kind of guard. Oh, it's like the uh, first level in Fable. One. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Back in the world. I don't think so. Well, I should point out, we're recording this in 1999. <laughs> so, so everyone gets what you're doing here. Yeah. If, if yeah. theoretically, a man named Peter Mullen, you did decide to put that in his video game. <laughs> no, I love it. I was, just, I was trying to get, like, uh, a real-world comp. Yeah, yeah, I did no joke. Um, originally, when I was writing out the world, I called the hometown Oakvale, which is literally just the name of the town from Fable. Mm-hmm. And then uh, about two weeks into writing, I went, oh, no. <laughs> That's plagiarism. <laughs> that already exists. <laughs> Whoopsie. Um, but yeah, as it stands, um, in Henkelholm, you have a couple of options of where you can go. But um, Lauren, I think you know what the next big step for you is, right? We should probably go see the professor, right? Now that we have Barry on our team. So I pull out my um, transmission ember and I say it to Barry and Jackson. Okay, so we have to go see the professor now um, so that he can kind of like, you know, help us figure out whatever the next step is now that we have you. Um, so we're going to use this transmission ember and it's going to like, you know, teleport us to the professor. If, All that's, right. if that's cool. Like, so, I mean, get anything that you want to take with you because we might be gone for a little while. I'm not totally sure, but it's, you know, maybe pack like a bag. All right. Uh, so Jackson then I- immediately grabs uh, anything he can see in the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mostly cash. I'm gonna grab. I'm gonna grab my loot and I pluck from one of the branches inside some pokeroon uh, tree leaves because uh, they light up even if they are detached from it. Oh, cool. Put them in the bag and then uh, then I turn to you and probably write my father a note. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let them know I'm going on, a, yeah, on an adventure. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be good. I, I I probably should have done that before leaving home too. Shouldn't shouldn't I? You didn't, I didn't tell your parents? No, not not so much. But I mean, they, like they have the professor's like runestone number, so like they should be able to to call him and ask if they're worried. I'm sure they're fine. I've only been gone for like five days, so I'm I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And Larkin, I, be- <laughs> I believe that's when people stop worrying. <laughs> that child's been missing for five days is when they start to go. Ah, oh, he's probably fine. He's probably fine. Um, I scribble out uh, a little note, uh, leave it on the table, and I'm kind of weirdly ready to go on the adventure. <laughs> like, Almost I feel like no this hesitation. happened in, like, two minutes. They just barge in, like, you want to go on an adventure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, all right. Dude, that's, that's, yeah. that's Barry, yeah. man. He yeah. crazy. Beginning it. of The Hobbit, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 you're, you're <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it speaks to your desire to escape to adventure, to, to see the world. But um, I like that the main reason you came along is because Larkin employed pretty basic... Uh, negotiation tactics. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you should, because, you know, family lines and stuff. <laughs> just like, yeah, oh, okay. In that case. Sounds great. Uh, Larkin looks at Barry and asks, is just your loot and a, and a glowy stick, that's all you want to take? Oh, that's all I need. Got my music, got the air in my lungs. Let's go. Like, do you have any weapons or anything? I mean, I know that we have Jackson to, like... Nah, I, I, uh, I don't use weapons. Okay, Jackson, then just, you know, grab whatever you think you might need to protect us, because, like, you know, it might get, get kind of dicey out there. Like, my journey here was kind of dicey. You so. have Jackson grab my shit? Well, I mean, if, if, <laughs> <laughs> if he sees something that's useful, I don't know what Jackson needs. What do, what do you need, Jackson? Um, I'm pretty good here. Okay. <laughs> when you said like grab whatever you need, I was picturing like, uh, yeah, I'll probably need this mink rug to defend us. <laughs> I mean, Jackson was like picking up uh, picture frames. I mean, literally, you said grab anything. He just, oh, okay. Yeah, Lar- Larkin realizes that she just has what she's gonna get, <laughs> and um, puts the transmission ember um, out in the palm of her hand and holds it out for everybody to put their hands on it. Is that how this thing works? Hell yeah, you define the fiction, Lauren. Great. <laughs> you use the power of friendship to ignite the ember. Um, I'm just imagining it like a portkey, more plagiarism. <laughs> um, um, but she, I, I hold it out in the palm of my hand and um, tell uh, Barry and Jackson to put their hands on it. And then um, I encant, um, just sort of mumbling under my breath, and it snaps us away. It works, hopefully. Does it work? No. No? It does not work. Okay, yeah. You all place your hands on the ember. Typically, it only takes a few seconds until it starts to activate. Once it does, you don't even feel the transmission. You're simply there. You're simply in the location that you intended to be. But nothing happened. You all put your hands on it. You waited a few seconds. Nothing happened. You felt a little fizzle, but nothing. So is this the start of the adventure? Or? No, just just like just give me a second. I I'm, I can figure it out. And Larkin pulls a notebook from her bag and starts rifling through it, looking to make sure that she's doing it right. Um, and then Jackson looks at you and says, uh, "Oh, this usually doesn't happen." <laughs> you guys, it's like a, a new spell. It's uh, yeah, I, ha- I haven't done this one before. It's so just like you know, give me a second, jeez. Um, <laughs> she is seventeen. <laughs> Sixty. <laughs> hey, leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone, guys. Um, is it? Can I roll for spellcasting or something? We're gonna do our first roll, baby. Yeah. Yay. Let's go. Okay. Um, this one is gonna be. Uh, so you effectively want to like uh, attune as to why this is not working, right? right? That's the. 
Oh, yeah. So in is that, that case, an arcane knowledge thing? That's exactly right. This will be an arcana roll, which is a d20 plus the modifier of your arcana roll. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What is my modifier? Oh, it's plus very five. tiny. Nice. I'm rolling. Okay. 12 plus 5, 17. That is a success. Okay. So you know, based on your rough understanding of this magic, despite never having done it, you have studied it pretty extensively. Mm-hmm. And you understand that usually these stones are single use, they're attuned to a specific location um, on their creation. And they can take you to that location at will, but only once. And as far as you can tell, this ember's been used before. It's, it's, uh, it should have uh, fiery red veins running through it. It should be throbbing with magical energy, but it isn't. It's entirely black. It looks like a piece of coal. The rocking, veiny. <laughs> yeah, nice. could fuck it if you wanted to. <laughs> okay, so uh, Larkin, after realizing what's, what's going on, turns to, to Barry and Jackson and says, Okay, so... The thing is, this has already been used, and so I, ca- I can't I can't use it again. Um, so, I, I I mean, the academy is like only like what like where is the academy? So uh, the academy would be in Helmspire, which is the capital of uh, the entire Terithia realm. However, your goal would be uh, initially to go to Ogma's Hold. Ogma's Hold would be the location where you have to get the, the gauntlet and then take it to them. They've been very explicit that they don't just want to do all the work. This is your mission. This is your grade. Uh, hey, you could ask them for help. It is going to affect your grade. I don't know if that if this was if already, something that would bother you. If this was already used, like, can you find out what the last place that oh, was yeah. used is? Like, like, what destination was used before? Can I find out who used it? If I... You could attempt to divine the distance. So if you were okay. to, we'll do, we'll do another Arcana roll, and that will determine yeah. if you know it's within Carlsworth or if you roughly know where it'd be. You couldn't get like, oh, it's at the tavern in Helmspire, but uh-huh. you, you could get, okay, this is hundreds of miles away, this is five miles away, etc. Okay, I rolled a six, and so that's 11, so less <laughs> Um, you are unable to divine yeah. when this was used or when. Any classes have you been taken for this? I, <laughs> Look, this is my final exam. It's really important. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I can do this. I just got a bum ember. It's not my fault. Great. Okay. Um, so we should probably go to just straight to Ogmer's Hold, right? So thing is, <laughs> and this is where it starts to get tricky is that uh, Larkin, the closest that you got was uh, on the outskirts of Elmswood Forest. That's where you were teleported to initially from your home location. You were sent a stone that allowed you to do that. But getting through Elmswood Forest is not an easy task. It Mm -hmm. can take weeks, even with a knowledgeable guide and somebody that knows the area. Barry, you're moderately familiar, but you've said it yourself. You've never left Carlsworth, right? So your knowledge is, okay, I know what the forest is like, I know what can happen there, but I have no idea what's on the other side and I don't know how to get there. So you have a, you have a number of possible solutions. You could try and fix the stone. You could try and hire somebody to help you travel through the woods. You could try and uh, gather a, a caravan or uh, some kind of transport material so that you could actually make it through safely. So I'll, I'll do a little bit of table talk now because uh, as it stands, there are a ton of locations that I've built out for you to explore in Carlsway. Different ones will offer mm. different side quests and mini interactions, all of which will eventually lead you to a number of different ways that you could approach. So there are things you can miss. There are things you could find. There are like a dozen different ways that you can solve this problem. Uh, normally, I wouldn't do this much table talk, but it's our first game. I want to make sure that you, we were all on the same page. Um, there are three, uh, sorry, two locations in Henkelholm, and then across the bridge, there are an additional four locations in Hazelfall. 
in Henkelholm, there is Ambrose Farm, where uh, your father likely is at this time. Then there's the Shrine to Lathander, God of Birth and Renewal. Then in Hazelfort, there is Arato Square, which is basically just the center of the town, maybe some shops, maybe some people, maybe some interactions, who knows? It's roughly the middle of the day. Uh, there's also the Protectorate's Quarters, which is effectively just the guard barracks. Then you have, and the jail. Uh, then there's the Crested Vine, very popular tavern in the center of Hazelfort. And then there is the general store. Those are all the available spots. Now, if you want, hey, I'm not going to stop you. You can run straight into Elmswood Forest and see what the hell happens. Why don't we... Um, so I turn, I turn to you guys and uh, suggest that we actually go to the tavern. Why? I've played a lot of music down there. A lot of uh, stories told and people from faraway lands knowing how to get in and out of Hazelfort and, uh, and Hankel home. Larkin looks at Jackson and shrugs and says, why not? I'm, I'm old enough to go to a tavern. I can, I can do that. Yeah, Jackson says, uh, well, I'm just here to follow the kid. Larkin looks very pleased by that. <laughs> just want to make a note that Jackson's uh, silence and deep voice is a little alarming to Barry. <laughs> just uh, just sort Jackson of like, scratches his head, doesn't really notice that Barry's kind of giving him the side eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's not really emotionally into it. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> okay, so uh, you want to go ahead and cross the bridge over in Hazelfort? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Cool. Uh, go ahead and roll a d20, each of you. I got 14. Uh, any modifiers? Nope. Eight. Oh, 15. A flat 15. Okay. And Brigham? Eight. Okay. Mm. He falls off the bridge. <laughs> you are all... <laughs> and the end. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, nope, nothing happens. That is all I will say. Oh, great. So you cross over to the bridge and you arrive in Hazelfort. You arrive in Arato Square in Hazelfort. At the centre of the square sits a luscious fountain within which stands a well-maintained statue of a female figure posed with a single clenched fist held at arm's length. A scraggly-haired gentleman in a brown tunic kneels in the water, frantically scraping away bird droppings from the statue's left leg. The town square itself is bustling with citizens going about their business. The stark contrast between this and Henkelholm are immediately notable. The grassy pathways, ambient wildlife and serene ocean air of Henkelholm are replaced here with cobblestone paths, the pattering of pedestrians and the stench of, I don't know, towniness? Sure. Uh, but yeah, there's a general towniness in the air. Um, it's pretty busy. This is midday. Some of the markets are open. Some people are hanging out and chatting. It's just a regular day in Hazelfort. Do I know the Ready? guy in the, uh, in the fountain? You do not recognize the guy in the fountain, which is strange. Yeah. Because you'd think you pretty much would recognize every face in this town at this point. So can, I, can we actually walk up to him? Most definitely. Yeah. I'm gonna do you that. want to engage? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, it's your funeral. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Hard cut to Barry's funeral. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, the man is sitting there. He's scraping bird droppings away from the statue. What would you like to do? Um, I talked to him. So, uh, hi there. What's your name? Uh, my name is Barry. Uh, I know most of the people in town. I haven't seen you before. He begins muttering to himself. It doesn't seem as though it's intended for you, but he is muttering. Uh, Jackson walks up to him and starts uh, shaking him on the shoulder. Uh, hey, hey, we're talking to you, bud. He spins around urgently and panics. 
he falls back into the water and begins shaking. He has not seen somebody of your statue, of your stature, by this statue, <laughs> you assume. Um, he begins shaking his head and he continues to mutter in a language you don't recognize. Uh, and between the three of you, you have quite a few languages. It's, it, it, it doesn't really sound real. The things that he's saying sound like made-up words, but it's hard to tell. He fell into the fountain? He, yeah, he just fell backwards. He was kneeling in the fountain, but now he's fallen backwards and wet his tunic. Um, I'm going to reach in and try to pull him out. And, and uh, You all right there? Uh, he looks cautiously at your hand, but after a few seconds, he does start to lean forward. He takes your hand and he stands. You notice on his brown tunic is a very crudely drawn symbol. It's actually kind of hard to interpret because there's clearly been like a few mistakes, which he's then attempted to cross out with more paint. So it's just kind of a mess. But it, it looks like a, a triangle, kind of. But he stands up and you don't... Uh, could everybody make actually a quick uh, DC history check? Is that a natural 20? Or sorry, is that a... a D20? Yes, D20, yeah. yes. Uh, I got a 12 plus 2 is 14. Okay, 14. That's a 9, it looks like. 9. I got 11. Plus, uh, plus 5. So I've got 16. Oh, my God. Wow, okay. All that book so, learning, you guys. <laughs> nobody recognizes the symbol or recognizes the tunic and the face or, or the, the scraggliness or his interest in the statue quite like Larkin does. Larkin immediately clocks that you're familiar with this group. Uh, though your knowledge, that, to your knowledge, they tend to operate exclusively out of Helmspire. This is a member of the kin of She. They are a fanatic cult obsessed with the legacy of the champion, though they do not refer to her as the champion. They see that as a gross undervaluing of her with a capital H. They refer to her as her or she. Okay. Uh, the cult has been in operation for a number of years, though its origin is kind of unclear. Can I ask uh, a quick question? Do, do people know that Barry is... Her son? Very, very few people do. Gotcha. Now, Lauren, let me ask you. Mm -hmm. Are you going to share that information with the other two? Yes. Yeah. Hey, guys. So, like, I kind of recognize the the symbol on this guy's tunic. It's it's part of, like, a cult that's obsessed with your mom. And, like, I I totally get it. She was amazing. But, like, they're kind of, you know, like a little wackadoodle. So maybe... Maybe we should just, like, go to the tavern, you know? Um, Jackson nods. Jackson nods. One thing you do recall, Jackson, due to your history in Helmspire and relative familiarity with the knowledge of a cult, you didn't know what they looked like, but you had heard of them, you know of several attacks on mid- to high-ranking Imperium officers that took place following the champion's initial disappearance 17, 18 years ago. Publicly, these were pinned on the Dregites, a prolific uh, crime syndicate operating out of Helmspire's lower circle. But via your network, you've come to understand that it was an actually radicalized groups of the kin of Shi. Got it. He doesn't share this. No. Uh, during this time, by the way, the man in the fountain has continued muttering to himself. Right. Still not really speaking uh, common. Occasionally will throw out a common word, thus speaking to the idea that this is probably just a made-up language. But uh, within a few seconds, he's gone back to scraping the budget. So, I think this guy's crazy. I agree. I don't know why I like want to keep engaging with him, but if he's not saying anything... <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just a nice brown I'm tunic. in love with this man. <laughs> <laughs> Starts plucking loot. Uh, <laughs> I stop to stare at the statue a little bit and then ask Barry to lead the way to the tavern. Mm-hmm. 
Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the break. It's it. No, <clears throat> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Could you imagine? I just did the entire break in that voice, and every single episode, uh, every listener dropped out around the 30 minute mark because <laughs> that was so unpleasant. But no, don't worry. I am not a creepy little goblin man, at least not. Um, in that sense, thank you so much for listening to the show thus far. Uh, I hope you've really, really been enjoying it. Um, if you're ravenous, though, if you're getting furious, you want even more good Dungeons & Dragons delectable content, um, I have good news. Um, because not only did this episode drop on release day, the 10th of January 2019, but so did episode 2. So you can binge so much arcs in such a long session that your family and friends will become extremely concerned about your well-being, which has always been the goal of this show uh, from day one. And if that isn't enough for you, uh, first of all, you should seek help. Uh, me and your mother, we're very concerned about you. It's, it's worrying to us that you would even want to listen to one episode of that devilish program, let alone two. Um, if that still isn't enough for you, then you can get even more of the party in your life by following them on uh, the socials. Most importantly, uh, the Tweetsters. On Tweetster, you can find Brigan, who plays Barry, over at uh, at Brigan Snow, B-R-I-G-G-O-N-S-N-O-W, just like a Game of Thrones bastard, you got it right. You can follow Lauren over at Lauren Shippen, L-A-U-R-E-N-S-H-I-P-P-E-N. Have you ever noticed that nobody makes you spell things out loud anymore as an adult? I don't know, is this relatable? Who knows? Um, you can also reach Nathan Stans over at N-A-T-T, nope, that isn't how you spell Nathan, N-A-T. T-H-A-N-S-T-A-N-Z. Gotta learn how to spell. You can find the show itself over at ArxPod. That's A-R-C-S-P-O-D. And finally, you can reach out to your boy, the delectable monument himself, uh, Jordan, over at... Uh, that's me, by the way. It's, uh, it's me the whole time. Uh, J-O-R-D-A-N-A-D-I-K-A. All of these handles are just a single word. We've combined our names into a single word through magical alchemy in order to make... Uh, the SEO easier. Also in the podcast feed, in addition to the second episode and many more to come, you can find a Meet the Party episode. If you haven't listened to that already, it's just uh, myself, Nathan, Lauren, and Brigan all hanging out, shooting the shit, as they say. Each of the party members sort of explaining a little bit about where their character came from, their character's backgrounds, and each of the players' experience with uh, the game of D&D itself. It's actually, it came out really, really fun. And if there's anything that you've heard in the game so far, and you're like, wait, what? What are they referencing? What are you talking about? It's because you haven't listened to the meet the party go listen to that you goddamn fool uh or don't i mean <laughs> the show's pretty uh, accessible either way um if you're really feeling it if you're really in a good mood today maybe consider shooting us a itunes review it would mean very very much to all of us if you did um five star itunes reviews are going to help us grow and get traction and hey we're just a little upstart podcast trying to figure it out in this wild world and five star itunes reviews are the currency of champions and we'd very much like to have some. Um, in fact, for every five-star iTunes review that we receive uh, over the next few weeks, I will be giving shout-outs to folks in this little break segment right here. If you would like a shout-out, just indicate it in the five-star iTunes review, pop the name or nom de plume that you'd like to be called uh, as your name in the review itself. Uh, and if you want, you can also indicate a character or voice or species that you'd like me to do uh, the shout-out in. 
Now you should be getting very, very psyched because this next section in the tavern is um, one of my personal favorites. I think it was uh, the moment in the campaign where the dynamic of the characters just all really started to gel in a really exciting way. So I'm curious for you to see that. And, and please remember, no matter what, that I love you. Me specifically. I, am, I love you and I am in love with you. Live Mars, Taco Bell. <laughs> Later. Okay, so you have arrived outside of the Crested Vine, the local tavern in Hazelfort, and a, may I say, a real party atmosphere. Barry, you know, you know how it is. You've been there a few times. Boy. Hi, this is a right belter tonight. Ah, oh, he's even got Scottish slang. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so deep in the fiction. <laughs> uh, Larkin nods like she knows what Barry's talking about, but in fact is quite nervous. She's never been in a tavern before. This is. Oh. <laughs> It's a, Cobbleton is a dry town. Um, so There's no alcohol there? Cobbleton is the town uh, from Footloose, no. in my mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no booze, no dancing. Yeah. You're not wrong. How about you, Jackson? You've been to a few taverns in your time? Uh, absolutely. Uh, lived out of them for a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. This is uh, feels like home for him. Love that. Feels like Henkel home. Mm-hmm. Larkin moves just a little bit closer to Jackson as, <laughs> as they prepare <laughs> to go in. That's kind of cute. So you had a good time? Yeah, sure. Let's let's do it. You push the weighty oaken door aside as you enter the tavern. It's a little too early in the day for the party to be truly popping off, but there's a decent crowd here. It's the usual collection of regulars. Soot-covered dwarves taking a well-earned break from the mine, a few elderly veterans sipping room-temperature ale as they discuss the scars they earned in the war, and a few local townsfolk playing a rousing game of Drabble, a draconic spelling game that is in no way affiliated with real-world board game Scrabble. The gnomish barmaid eyes the three of you as we walk in, greeting you with a smile and nod. Uh, Jackson looks at Larkin and Barry and says, you, you guys got this, right? Yeah, yeah, t- totally. Uh, uh, as soon as she says, yeah, the first time he immediately walks to the bar and plops down a coin. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, Larkin somehow looks even more nervous after uh, he leaves. I want to Larkin to do the exact same thing. Like, oh, yeah. And just plops it oh, oh, yeah, me? Yeah. I'll take a alcohol, please. <laughs> do, I know, do I know the name of the, uh, the barkeep? Uh, you do. It's Mira. Mira, okay. Uh, I actually want to take Larkin up to the bar uh, and get a drink and ask Mira some questions. Go for it. All right. Uh, Mira, bevy for my friends. Oh, hey, no problem. It's so nice to have somebody that sounds just like me. (laughs) (laughs) Got a wee question. The the lad out in the town square at the fountain. Oh, hey. Know anything about him? Oh, he's a troubled soul, isn't he? He came in earlier and he, he spilled a bunch of drinks over talking about the champion and stuff. I, I, again, I don't really know him. I asked if he wanted a cocktail, because you know me, I love to make cocktails and nobody ever asks, but he, I don't think he drank or nothing. He, he I'll just... have a cocktail. Larkin blurts out very awkwardly. <laughs> uh, she looks over at you, a little confused. She kind of hadn't noticed you were there, <laughs> to be totally honest. No, you, you don't strike uh, a wide portrait. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he's just like, looks straight past you. Um, now, 
there is no drinking age, no official drinking age in Carlsworth, right. but it's generally advised to not let children drink. That's the rule. Sure. Uh, so she she turns to Barry and says, "Can I?" So I don't know if I get a drink because I do kind of want to make a cocktail, you know. Get a wee nipple. <gasps> wow, a nipple! I haven't made a nipple in weeks. <laughs> uh, all right. She immediately enthusiastically starts spinning drinks, throwing things backwards, tipping over glasses. Again, not good at this. Just really enjoys doing it. Um, is impressed regardless. <laughs> um, as she does that, uh, she eventually grabs a small and incredibly dusty glass full of cocktail umbrellas, places three of them into the drink, presumably thinking that that's something that cocktails usually have, and then gives it to you. Larkin takes the umbrellas uh, and puts them in her pocket and then (laughs) drinks the entire drink in one gulp. As you place it down, Mira's mouth is agape. (laughs) She she said, oh my god, that's supposed to be like the whole night. That's a lot. Um, (laughs) Uh, With tears in her eyes, (laughs) Larkin coughs out, it's really good. Really good. (laughs) Just like back home. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I've had and I've had a lot of cocktails. Uh, Mira says, oh, that's really great Because if you hadn't and your tolerance was low That might really mess you up I mean, I've had one of them I drink all every day And no, I uh, had a no, pretty I'm, crazy I'm good, I'll, I'll take another, honestly I, I, Is that, are you sure? <laughs> Jackson it. snorts and looks the other direction <laughs> <laughs> uh, This time she makes you another much more slowly and much more nervously kind of looking back at you waiting for you to stop her and like maybe hesitate ask for a different drink this time it's clearly a little bit smaller she made the choice for you uh it's it's a a tall red liquid in a pint glass hands Mm. it over one umbrella this time and maybe she thinks that has something to do with the alcohol content i i I take the umbrella and put it in my pocket with the rest (laughs) what's with the umbrellas (laughs) I just think they're I just think they're cute. I like to I like to craft sometimes and like you know, I might use it for something later. So right, yeah. yeah. Lauren, but, pl- please add four cocktail umbrellas to your equipment. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the whole time Barry's uh looking around because this is definitely an odd night. Mm. Uh this is new for him, and then I think he turns back to Mira. Uh good crowd tonight. Any anything strange? Uh, well, aside from that fella that ended up in the... Uh, I think he's in the fountain now, which seems weird. Um, aside from that, we've also got this strange fella in the corner. She gestures uh, to an unfamiliar face, a green one to be precise, belonging to the diminutive stature of an elderly goblin. His body wrapped in a heavily distressed merchant's cloak. He sits hunched over, head in hand and bottle by side, anxiously mustering to himself. He came in here earlier and he was like upset about something. He hasn't been very clear about it. He asked if I knew any like uh, muscle men, I think was what he called them. I, I assume he means like a soldier. It was kind of weird. But anyway, he, yeah, he's been here like two hours now. Do I recognize him? The goblin? Yeah. You do not. Okay. I squinted him anyway. I very, I, I clearly already very tipsy. Loudly yell, "This is this is Jackson. He's 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 a muscle man. He's my muscle man." And I point very broadly at Jackson. He's my muscle man. God, I want a girl that says that about me. Yeah, me too. That's the dream, you right? Too, what? No, no. I he's I just hired him because he saved me from some like highway robbers. It was really really dramatic, and so now because I'm All right, long answer. Yeah. <laughs> the goblin 
props up in his seat. He's clearly been eavesdropping and admiring the powerful biceps of Jackson Healy. Uh, <laughs> but as soon as you said that you were attacked, he props up in his seat and turns to you. D- sorry, did did you just say that you were uh, attacked by highway robbers on, on the road into into uh, uh, whatever this shithole town's called? You were attacked <laughs> coming here? Here's yeah, what's it to you? Larkin oh. says very aggressively. She's an aggressive drunk. We're just She's <laughs> like somehow already wasted. It's been like two and a half minutes. <laughs> She's got a like a placebo yeah. effect. I, there's no alcohol in a nipple. <laughs> Virgin cocktails. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of alcohol in it. No yeah. doubt about but that. But yeah, she aggressively yells, what's it to you? I, oh, I'm terribly sorry. It's just, I, I, you see, I was, I was also attacked. And anyway, I, I should explain. Um, the name's Old Thimble. I'm a wandering trader from Helmspire on a journey south to fetch supplies and put some really quality time into writing my spy fiction series, The Goblin with Cool Nice Muscles That Always Gets the Girl. I was <laughs> taking a rest by the side of the road on my way into town, penning a chapter in which the hero does a bunch of cool push-ups and everybody likes it, when I was ambushed by bandits. The buggers grand f- thefted my caravan, and I love my caravan. It's where I keep all my cool stuff. And I just got done putting new spinning rims on it. If it weren't for my speed and agility that I gained during my years of interpreted dance training, I never would have escaped. He, he sniffles for a moment. He's clearly very upset. Wait, you, you, you could help me. You're a, a strapping group of adventurers and one of you has muscles. Maybe you could help me get my caravan back. What, what do you say? Name my price. Could we use your caravan if we got it back to go through the forest? Oh, that's a great idea. Jackson immediately pushes them out of the way. Uh, this is his this is his area of expertise. Uh, he goes over to the goblin. He puts his arm around him and he goes, uh, "What's it to you?" <laughs> the goblin noticeably shrinks down due to the weight of your arm only. <laughs> oh, uh, well, it, it, I would I'd be happy to pay you. Uh, well, I, I should explain. Could you please move your arm, sir? Jackson lifts up his arm. <gasps> Thank you, sir. <clears throat> Once I have my caravan back, I can return to my shop in Helmspire and be do- done with this godforsaken detour. Uh, and that's where you come in, you see. You fetch me the caravan, I-, I make it worth your while. I don't really have any cash right now. Again, sort of a an equity trip. <laughs> I left most of my cash back at the shop. Um, but, but think of the exposure. <laughs> think about how this will look on your resume. Uh, Jackson gives him a look that says, like, this isn't going anywhere. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, what I lack in coin at present, I can more than make up for in treasures and trinkets. I can prove it to you. I was able to get away with a scant few of my prized magical possessions. That's what I trade in. It's kind of my thing. I have a, uh, special sack right here. Thimble special sack. He holds up a bag of holding, a bag that can contain many more items and much more weight than you would think. And he holds it at groin level. Jackson uh, grabs it, does a little weighing kind of motion, you know, tosses it up and down, gets a feel for how much is in it, and says, (laughs) uh, well, how much do we get at the end of the trip? Uh, uh, If you're able to liberate my caravan from those brutish barbarian bandits, I shall reward each of you with a magical item. Uh, For now, as as a down payment, you can get one bonus. You reach inside, whatever you get, you can keep, and then three more when it's complete. What do you say? Yeah, that sounds great. Jackson stares at Larkin, uh, <laughs> looks back at the goblin and says, two now. Um, I'll give you three at the end. Why do you want to take two now? I don't have a lot of stuff. <laughs> now you can, if you want, you, you can go for an intimidation. Absolutely. Check. He goes for intimidation. Oh my God. <laughs> Bad guy. Oh, what? Oh, 
critical a fail. good start. Okay, uh, I rolled the one. Wow, oh, all those biceps. <laughs> yeah, they're too big. Um, so he stands up for a moment and just goes, "You can't bully me. I have my own guard somewhere. I forget where I put him, but anyway, he he would defend me if he was here. I think he's back in Helmspire again. Hard to recount, but I learned a bunch of moves when I was writing my book, and I could fight you no problem." And he does like a little fist pose, like mm. a uh, rock and sock and robots. Got it. Pose. Got it. <laughs> uh, so that does not work, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Now, you can accept the quest. You can continue to negotiate. Totally up to you. Uh, I would say that Nathan's pretty much out of the negotiation. Yeah, running, yeah Jackson walks back over I, to, to his group uh, and says, uh, well, I don't think we're getting two. <laughs> I, I could try negotiating. Okay. My, my charisma is pretty good. <laughs> Actually, so that there's like a, a fair amount of discussion inside the D&D community about how alcohol should like affect roles. Oh, um, yeah. However, one of the like universally agreed aspects is that it does increase your charisma. So um, what are, we're just going to say to keep this nice and simple, you will get advantage on any charisma checks you make. That just means that you roll twice and you keep the higher number. Great. Um, then we'll also say until I've decided that you have sobered up or if you've, you've cast a spell that maybe lets you do that, you get yeah. disadvantage on uh, athletic related checks. Great. Just I'm getting better at what I'm good at and worse at what I'm bad at. <laughs> Your constitution is now one. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I uh, push pack Jackson and uh, walk up to the goblin mm-hmm. and say, look, we don't like to make a big deal about this, but we're actually like, this really cool, impressive adventuring team. Whoa. Um, yeah, I know. And to to get our services is like kind of a big deal because we're really, really good at it. And so it would only be fair if you gave us two items now and then one item when we actually get your caravan back because our services are in like high, high demand. Um, and I'm going to do a charisma check to see if that works at all. Yeah, most um, definitely. Okay, I rolled a 12 and then... 14 and I have plus two so 16 okay but you get to roll again just in case you hit a 20 I think that was both yeah I had a 12 and a 14 so oh good good. so you get a total of a 16 which is a success congratulations um right as he begins to he goes oh oh, of course I'm sorry I had no idea you were so famous and successful and it makes sense I mean you have this muscle man that's actually kind of weak but uh, you have you know (laughs) you seem very skilled and you my man are just tremendously handsome I can see how you might have found success in the past let me fetch the back wait if you're a famous adventuring team what's your name your group name oh fuck Should we say the uh, Brendan Yuri's? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if Nathan doesn't come up with something better. Uh, I'm at the bar. I'm not listening. Jackson is, is out of this. He realized that he messed up and is just relying on you. Oh, God. Wait, Brigid, what's what's the name of the boy band you love in, in oh, the universe? Boys of Dongard. Yeah, they're like, they're like the them. One Direction of, of mm. uh, so the do, land. Do yeah. you suggest that? Does Barry suggest that name? Yeah, we could just call it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm scared my he's going to recognize it and be like, well. <laughs> <laughs> he p- p- pulls out a mixtape. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's been selling. Yeah. <laughs> it's his caravan full of albums. Yeah, we're the boys of uh, Dungard. I love that band. I, yes. Yep. No, we are. That is our name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's us. That's where we're the, the boys of, of Dungard. It's like a, it's a slang thing. I know that I'm not a boy, but you just, it's. Trust me. Old Thimble's eyes 
become tighter and tighter as he squints like nobody has ever squinted in their entire life. He sighs and goes, Oh, okay, cool name. <laughs> um, I actually, a uh, little, little table talk, I did roll there. I rolled to see uh, oh, okay. whether his history knowledge would be strong enough to know who that is. He gotcha. rolled very poorly. And as awesome. a result, you yes. get access to two items. Good negotiation, gang. This is like high quality <laughs> shit. You shouldn't be getting this stuff this early. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so the way we're going to do this, and we'll do this um, if you ever need to... Uh, like get a random high quality item again I have this long list of items that I came up with that you will just roll a d20 for and whatever you get in fact right now I only have a 10 so roll a d10 um, and whatever number you get tell me and then I will describe the item you pull out of the sack um, who's gonna grab well I think it has to be Larkin yeah Yeah. All right. me first yeah go ahead reach into Thimble's special sack I got an 8 <laughs> you got an 8 mm-hmm. oh god this is such a good one I'm so glad you're getting this. Okay, you pull out a very simple looking crossbow. Completely unworn, doesn't look as though it's really seen much combat, but on the side of it is a little blue teardrop painted on the side. Thimble Mm. is elated. He's so excited that somebody finally gets to use this. He's been trying to sell it for a long time, but people don't understand the value. People never see the value in this. Anyway, it's it's amazing. What you have there is the crossbow of emotional insecurity. (laughs) You see when... (laughs) Great! Thanks, Jordan! (laughs) Uh, So, I I will describe how it works from a mechanical perspective. When the crossbow is loaded, you may use a bonus action to utter a command phrase of your choice to the bolt. You can establish the command phrase whenever you want, and then that will be the command phrase for the rest of history. Um, Once you do so, and fire the bolt... If it hits the target, the target must make a DC 13 wisdom saving throw, or they will instantly verbalize their greatest insecurity and begin crying. Nice. Mm. If no command word is uttered, the bolt deals damage. So you also just have a crossbow now. <laughs> oh, okay. That uh, is, so that's your that's first cool. item. Great. And we get one more. Yeah. I got a one. Okay. All right, you pick out. Oh, cool. That's like my least favorite one, but neat. Um, (laughs) He hands it to you. Um, You have picked out the potion of immovability. After Hmm. drinking this slightly metallic potion, you immediately become fixed in place for a minute. You cannot move, or the drinker, whoever it is, cannot move, even if you are defying gravity. You can support up to 8,000 pounds of weight. More weight causes the effect to fail and end and probably crush you. A creature can use this action... uh, a creature can use its action to make a DC 30 strength check um, and then they can move 10 feet. So you effectively get to immobilize somebody. We'll say that it has But three... I have to make them drink the potion first. Uh, who knows? <laughs> or trick them or pop it in the drink. Oh, we'll say that it has yeah. three uses um, and okay. like you would notice if this was in your drink. It's, you would have to use a decent amount for it to be effective. Gotcha. Okay. You're going to force people to talk about their emotional insecurities and then (laughs) nerf you (laughs) Drink this. This will make you feel better. Larkin's first trip to a tavern is going very well. (laughs) She thinks it's all normal. (laughs) This is what happens when you go to bars, right? This is what the church in my town said would happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so you have two items and you have your very first quest. Congratulations. Uh, What did we call you? What was your group name? 
<laughs> the, the boys, boys of, of Dongar. Don- 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 <laughs> the boys of Dongar have their very first quest, and you have a name, which is huge. It's very exciting, yeah. and maybe even a reputation at this point. If, if uh, old Thimble yeah. spreads that, you might become each other famous. All of ten minutes. Yeah, so it's going really well. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, you have your quest now. Um, old Thimble begins to explain a little more. I don't really know very much is the problem. I, I sprinted very quickly away from the caravan, and when I returned quietly, it was just gone. It was taken about half a mile out of town, relatively deep in the road of Elmswood Forest. I don't know where it could have gone or who could have taken it. I, again, I don't know this area very well, but um, if you could find it, I, more items, and I'll take you wherever you need to go, honestly. I was going to say, can uh, we quick... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, you go. <laughs> I would say a quick check. Would I know, based on my connections, who, like, how far away from this is from my community, and would I know the, the thieves or bandits who are on this yeah. road? So, uh, you are from Helmspire. You're mm-hmm. effectively, you know, the Dragites mainly. That's your group, that's mm-hmm. your crew. However, there's a decent amount of trade and motion throughout uh, uh, the southern port of Calsworth and Hen- uh, and Helmsworth. That's why uh, Old Thimble is here. He's trading because this is typically where you would gather fish or high quality groceries. It's, it's, it's a nice part mm-hmm. of the world. Uh, for that reason, you might be able to find some connections, but right out of the blue, you can't think of anybody that would be down here that would normally be in Helmsbyre. Got it. I take a second look around the bar just to make sure do I, if I see anyone who might be indicating that they're a, a part of that subculture. Okay, uh, you want to give me an investigation roll? Absolutely. Yikes. It's a big five? Uh, <laughs> wow. Big, yeah, yeah, plus two. That's a one and a five total. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Okay, um, in that case, then no. I'm Got afraid it. you do not recognize anybody else in the bar. We didn't name the cocktail. Uh, it probably doesn't have a name. Would you like to name it? Oh, I think I think we ought to call it the Larkin. It's the Larkin. Oh. Is, hey, what's that drink called that you had? Oh, oh. I mishear her thinking she's asking for my name and yell, Larkin! <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to the goblin and ask him more about these, because we never really got like a description of the, the robbers. Yeah. And I feel like I want more information about that. Well, I think he was robbed while he wasn't there, right? Was he even robbed? He, was, he just misplaced the no, cards? Oh. He was attacked, right? Uh-huh. but immediately leapt from the caravan and began sprinting. Got didn't it. see right. faces, didn't see stature, just saw arrows hit his caravan and just started to run. Mm-hmm. Oh, seriously? So it, <laughs> he didn't yeah, see I anything? Think I think it's fair to say you're not going to get any more data from him. Okay. I, eyewitness accounts are always warped. Right. You can make him relive that tragedy if you really <laughs> feel like that. Did I see my attackers at all? Uh, yes, back. you did. They were fairly regular-sized humans. Okay. Not Didn't appear to be barbarians of any kind. Didn't appear to be local. Um, do you want to give me a quick... We'll say it's like a, a retrospective uh, investigation check. Sure. <laughs> uh, 14. Oh, yeah, there it is. Plus three, so 17. Okay, so that is a... You can tell that the way they are dressed, the armor they were wearing, the dark leather clothing, very urban. Mm. Not something you would typically see on the southern coast, nor something you would typically see in the forest, which was where you were attacked. Okay. Um, given that she's the barmaid and sees a bunch of people come through, I go mm-hmm. back up to Mira, and I describe these people to her, and I ask her if she's seen, seen them around at all. Hey, uh, like thugs, just like random thugs and, and miscreants. Uh, can't say I have. I mean, if you're talking about like an ambush out in Elmswood, it's probably Grotnack and that lot. 
Um, now, Barry, you recognize the name Grokneck. You, you, you have never met anybody affiliated with them, but it's, it's known amongst the town that Grokneck's Horde, a group of barbarians that operates out of Elmswood Forest, uh, is in the area. But they aren't typically known for pillaging caravans and the like, unless there's something really, really valuable on them. They would generally just attack other camps and maybe even raid Carlsworth every now and then, but the Protectorate would probably fight them off. Hmm. Well, yeah, you might want to start there. I mean, I, yeah. I don't really know. Oh, wait. There was a, 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 a fella from there early, in here earlier today. I didn't put it together at the time, but he was massive. He was so muscular. He's a bit like you, but... She points to Jackson. A bit like you, but like like more like ripped. You're just sort of like fat. <laughs> but like if you imagine like him... If you imagine like muscular, like uh, impressive muscles as opposed to just like, oh, that guy eats too much. It's kind of like that. <laughs> Um, you c- I, I think he was. Uh, I think he was arrested for punching a guard right in the face right after he left. I mean, if you want to talk to him, he's probably at the jail. Jackson's a little jealous and wants to see this guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we should do that. Let's roll. As you begin to leave, you hear a shout behind you, specifically at Barry. Well, if it ain't little Barry Shambroyce. You hear it behind you. Do I recognize the voice? You do recognize the voice, unfortunately. All right. And I turn around, and who who is it? <laughs> you turn around, and you don't see anyone. Okay. You. The crowd has started to grow over time. Fewer people uh, are playing Drabble, and some have stood up. So you don't see anyone through the crowd. But gradually, the crowd begins to part, and in front of you stands two uh, young adult halflings in matching blue junior varsity tunics. <laughs> Barry, of course. <laughs> you recognize them as brothers Finian and Binian Odinian, a.k.a. the Odinian brothers, regional joust bowl champions and the source of endless bullying throughout your school days. Oh, what's up, Champ Royce? Still a freaking loser? <laughs> and they start laughing amongst themselves. Not now, Odinians. I thought we told you never to come round these parts no more. Uh, you freaking Champ Royce? Listen... I don't want to fight tonight. Oh, Shabroyce, you're scared. And they begin looking at one another and, like, shaking and holding their faces. Oh, he's worried. He don't want to get beat up by the Odinians. You never even fight anyway, man. You always run away. Freaking call the protectorate. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Uh, Jackson walks up behind them and cracks their heads together. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> so fast. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Uh... <laughs> He doesn't like these kind of people. <laughs> wow, I, we'll just call that um, an attack roll. You can use yeah. your. I mean, it's definitely not to kill. Unfortunately, that is a what seven? Uh, probably athletics. No, plus five. Uh, nine. Okay, a nine. A nine allows you to grab their heads. Mm-hmm. They quickly shuffle away, <laughs> confused okay. and angry. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa! What the, what the hell, dude? Whoa, whoa, who is this? Is this your freaking dad? Oh, wait, he can't be. He ain't green. <laughs> they start laughing again at one another and like high-fiving in a really, really elaborate choreographed secret handshake. Larkin throws uh, a drink at them. <laughs> oh, my God. She got another one? <laughs> Finian dodges behind Binian. Binian is hit with the entire red drink, staining his high-quality, unique varsity outfit. Oh no, that was a bad call. Mm. I made a mistake. Did you say that out loud? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Um, I, pr- I try and direct their attention away from Larkin. Uh, listen boys, I'm not alone this time. You can't boss me around. 
The one not doused in drink, who's still looking at himself in shock. He's never never been questioned before. I think he's having a, an emotional breakdown. Um, Finian steps back out and says, like, Hey, dude, just because you got your freaking girlfriend and you're not green-skinned dad around doesn't mean you can freaking stand up to us. We are Dust Bowl champions. They do a chest bump. And as soon as they do it, Finian gets stained with the red juice as well. And they just go, oh, sh- oh fuck. Um. And they kind of nervously wipe it off one another. It was like, anyway, regardless, you are going to fight us right now. Put them up, Shambroyce. Oh, oh, Larkin kind of wants to fight them. Uh, um, I, don't, I don't want to fight. I don't typically want to fight. So I'm trying, I sort of beckon to you guys. Like, let's get out of here. It's not worth it. Yeah, you better run, Shabroyce. <laughs> they begin laughing again and doing the same handshake, though it kind of seems different this time. They must have, like, multiple <laughs> handshakes. Um, I, I look at Jackson to see what he's going to do. I look at you to see what you're going to do. Uh, this is this is not the uh, the boys of <laughs> Dawn <laughs> God or whatever it was that I've come to know. Um, <laughs> um, wait, oh, wait, old Thimble stands up and just goes, Oh, you boys are screwed. <laughs> Did you know that these are the guys of Helmball? <laughs> something like that. But oh, these are famous adventurers. He walks over to uh, Jackson. He goes, This guy's arm weighs like three bees. <laughs> then he goes over to Larkin and he's like, She can't really hold her liquor, but it's like really good at travel, which I assume makes you good at fighting. And then walks over to Barry and says, and this guy, I think is also involved. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't really talk. Sounds about right. (laughs) He's Um, picking you up. Yeah, Larkin just nods enthusiastically um, and says, that's right, we're the boys of what is it? Dawn Guard. We're the boys of Dawn Guard. And we will fuck you up. The boys shout in unison. Odinian combat powers activate. And then Finian hurls a single left hook towards the groin of Jackson. So, yeah, that worked about as well as I thought it might. If you loved that and you want to fully prepare yourself for my interview with Jordan Adika, buck up, kiddo. You've got like 19 hours of arcs to marathon your way through before you're caught up. As of this recording, anyhow. That's like five loads of laundry, four long train rides, three meal preps, two bathroom cleanings, and a partridge in a pear tree, which takes no time at all. I'm assuming everything else takes an hour, except for laundry, which takes two. If you'd like to support us in this new year, consider supporting us on Patreon or buying a piece of merch from our merchandise store over at radiodramarevival.com slash shop. We've got a tote. We've got a mug. We have the most gorgeous shirt in the history of podcasting. Yeah, come at me, every other podcast. The only way to truly know is to wear it. That is a science fact. Holy flippin' beans, here it is, y'all. Your moment of will. Take it away, Mix Williams. Hello, listener. As you probably know from listening to RDR, I love D&D. It is one of my favorite things to do, and I think that it has a very interesting history. Now, before D&D was popularized recently by things like the Adventure Zone and, yes, ARCs, as well as things like Stranger Things, it still had a really wide fan base, including some people that you might not necessarily associate with D&D. So I've got some trivia for you this week. 
Do you know which celebrity took a D&D campaign and turned it into a feature-length film? No, granted, the film did not do so well, but I think it's still exciting that they did it. So if you don't already know, I will have the answer for you next week when David interviews Jordan Adika here on the podcast. And hey, listener, it's 2020. That's two nat 20s. Maybe it'll be okay. I love you. And now, let us sound the traditional end of episode gong, followed by the sound that Will hears when they eat raw ginger. Dealer's choice, Will. I've got synesthesia. The sounds of that gong and that synesthetic experience tell me it's time for the credits. This podcast is recorded in Washington, D.C., which is the unceded territory of the Piscataway Indian Nation, the Piscataway Kanoi Tribe, the Pamunkey people, and the Nanticoke people. If you live in the Americas, Australia, or New Zealand, you can learn more about the native, First Nations, or indigenous heritage of your area by visiting whose.land. Our theme music is Danger Diggy Doo by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Our line producer and associate interviews producer is Will Williams. Our senior interviews producer is Eli McElveen. Our associate producer is Sean Howard. Our researcher is Heather Cohen. Our social media manager is Anne Baird. Our submissions editors are Elena Fernandez-Collins and Rashika Rao. Our executive producer is Fred Greenhouge. I'm your host, David Reinstrom, and this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome. <laughs>